Brother Dan. The title of our lesson is actually our family theme, and it's that way all this this uh, two-month study, but we're going to be looking at Jacob. You ever hear of Jacob before? I know you have. Our objective is that we would learn some life lessons from Jacob, and not just learn some things, but put them in to action. Uh, we've got a lot of scripture today. Now, I will tell you, uh, I went through it this week and did some editing uh, because there's so much scripture to read. Uh, not that I'm against reading the scripture, you know better than that, uh, but trying to hit the high points. So it's, as we read today, I'll kind of guide you along because I, I know your quarterly probably says the same thing that my study guide did, but we just don't have time to read all those verses. But I do want to hit the highlights of those verses. So we're doing a character study today. Uh, we'll have an introduction to Jacob's life, and we'll look at three key events, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in Jacob's life. <clears throat> but I think that most of because Jess and I were talking about this lesson, it's not an easy lesson uh, because of its length. But I think the, the most important thing is some things that we can learn, life lessons we can learn from Jacob and apply to ourselves. Hopefully, we're going to be uh, be able to do that. Let's do a connect. How many here had brothers and sisters in your family? Okay. Um, you know what it went on with Jacob and Esau. So what was your relationship growing up between your brothers and sisters? You felt like cats and dogs. He was a cat and he was a dog, right? <laughs> what do you mean by that, Wayne? Okay, all right. Wait a minute, that's my sister. You mean your sister did the same thing? Okay. Dan, you had, you said something? Even growing up. Okay. Somebody else? Somebody else. I was thinking that. Now, the thing that amazed me with you and your brother, though, Alan, uh, after you guys grew up, you seemed to be fairly close even then, though. Yeah, you got along real well, even though there was that big big age difference. Somebody else. Uh <laughs> Wayne, I, I can identify with yours. Now, again, we come from, I come from a large family. But when you have a family with nine kids, it's almost like two different families. Because by the time the young ones came along, uh, me and my next sister were married. And, uh, but, man, we, we didn't get along. She and I didn't growing up. Uh, n- number one, uh, my mother favored her. And it showed. Everybody saw it. <clears throat> and, of course, I didn't like that. Uh, and I would like to say that um, I was always the perfect uh, angel. But that would be a lie, okay? Uh, so we had our time. One one time in particular, <clears throat> I was staying. We were staying at my grandmother's. It was summertime, and uh, we we weren't very old. My sister and I were there, and my uncle, who's only a year older than we are, than I am, and. Uh, it had rained a lot, and one of the cornfields had flooded in a certain area. Of course, it couldn't have been very deep. It's like a big uh, overgrown mud puddle. And so we sent our sister back to ask Grandma, could we go swimming in that mud puddle? 
She came back and said, Grandma said, it's okay. And, of course, we got back and our underwear was muddy. We had mud everywhere. My grandmother was not happy. And back then you got whoopings, even from Grandma, okay? Now, my sister to this day swears Grandma told her. And finally, my grandma did admit, many years later, she said, you know, I was sleeping when she came in there. So maybe, not thinking I said yes, not knowing what she asked. So whatever, I don't know. But Wayne, yeah, I had some trouble with my sister. Even as teenagers, we didn't get along real well. But I will say today, uh, all of us are living but one uh, of, my, of my siblings. And uh, we all get along real well. We all get along real well. But, you know, I don't know about you, but i got some weirdos in my family. Anybody else can identify with that? Well, the, the bottom line is this. In almost every situation, there is some conflict between siblings. But today we're going to find one that became very, very, very serious. Well, let's talk about Jacob for a moment. Uh, when he was 40 years old, uh, Isaac, who was Abraham's son. Now, by the way, let me interject something here. When we speak of the patriarchs, uh, do you know who we're talking about, who the Bible is speaking about? We've got Abraham, Isaac, one more, and Jacob. Now, as you study in Genesis, poor old Isaac gets a little playtime. And, and, you know, the Bible comes a lot more about Abraham, very little about Isaac, and a whole lot about Jacob. So Isaac's kind of sandwiched in between there, but that's the Word of God. So anyway, uh, Isaac didn't get married till he was 40 years old, and uh, married Rebecca, and just like her mother-in-law, Rebecca uh, was not able to have children, and of course, uh, Isaac uh, seeks the Lord, asking for a child. And after 20 years, uh, when Isaac was 60 years old, uh, Rebecca, Rebecca uh, be- became pregnant. Now, at some time in the nine-month period, she realized that she was expecting twin twins. And uh, I don't know whether they had an ultrasound done or what. Now, you know they didn't do that. But somehow she knew there was more than one baby uh, in her womb. But the Bible says that God explained that the older one would serve the younger and that God would keep his covenant with Abraham through Jacob rather than Esau. So on the day they were born... Uh, Isaac and Rebekah named the older boy Esau, and the younger boy was named Jacob. Now, what's interesting, their conflict began in the womb. Okay? That's when it began. And, of course, it went on almost throughout their entire life. And there were some major conflicts. So what we're going to do this morning is look at some key events in the life of Jacob. And we're going to see that he had a conflict with his brother. He had a conflict with his uncle. And he also had a conflict with God. And we're going to kind of highlight some of those verses today. And so if anybody wants to volunteer to read, again, we're not going to go by the verses in your quarterly because there are just too many to read. So let's begin in Genesis 25. And somebody volunteer to read verses 27 through 34.
All right, thank you, Dan. Let's skip over to chapter 27. Uh, Brother Dan, if you don't mind, and read the first 10 verses. Chapter 27, verses 34 through 36. Yes, please. Skip down to verse 41, same chapter. What a great family, huh? Talk about dysfunctional. Now, remember, Rebecca realized that she was carrying twins, and she felt them struggling within her womb. So do you remember what Jacob was doing? Now, Esau was born first. He's the oldest. What was Jacob doing right at birth? <laughs> now, again, we can only... Yeah, and you're right, Alan, okay? So what was he probably trying to do? He what? Yeah, I want to be first. I want to be first. And so, of course, the parents named Esau, Esau, and of course, Jacob, Jacob. And the word Jacob means of many things. One thing is heel grabber. <laughs> also means uh, scoundrel, thief, conniver. Now, here's what I don't understand. Before they were born, God told Rebekah, the older one is going to serve the younger one. What do you think about that? And Wayne, I want to go a bit further. Not only does it sound like he did, but notice this, before they were even born, Okay? Now, let me interject here just a little bit. Those who would hold to five-point Calvinism say this is proof that God chooses some to be saved and some to go to hell. Malachi speaks about how God chose Jacob and hated Esau. Paul takes that verse, brings it into Romans chapter 9, and says the same thing. 
And so the Cal- our Calvinist brother would say that proves that God chooses. He chose Jacob to go to heaven, and he chose Esau to go to hell. Now, as free will Baptist, we don't agree with that. We believe the choice is only in the, who's going to carry the covenant. You carry on the blessing of Abraham. Now, by the way, don't think you can argue and win that debate. You're not going to. And neither can they. And we can debate that until Jesus comes. The main thing is, make sure your heart is right with Jesus. But there's no doubt, and we believe, not necessarily in election like the Calvinists do, but we do believe in a sovereign God. A God who is in control. Now, Wayne, you're right. It sounds like God did choose Jacob before he was born, and yes, he did. Why did God choose Jacob? There's only one reason. Amen. Thank you, Wayne. Yes. He is God, and he can do whatever he wants us wants to do. And he's never yet, I've been saved now for over 50 years, he's never yet called and asked my advice. God does what he wants to do. Well, the boys begin to grow, and of course, uh, Esau was a hunter, very good at it. Uh, Jacob was more domesticated, more of a homebody. And uh, so what happened between the parents as far as the boys are concerned? Yeah, and it showed. And there was that dysfunction in the family. Well, anyway, uh, (laughs) one day or one period of time, Esau's out hunting. And we know he at least hunted all day because he was hungry. And if it didn't, he didn't catch any. He didn't, wasn't able to get any game that day. He comes home, and there on the gas stove, Jacob's making a big pot of chili or something like that. Uh, Dan, I don't know what, exactly what pottage is, but that's what he was cooking, something. Okay, there you go. All right. Now, I don't know about you, but any time, uh, you know, through the years when I had a remodeling, remodeling company, we'd be in people's homes during the day, and somebody would be in there cooking, getting, getting supper ready. And, I mean, they could have cooked a boot and it smelled good if you're hungry. You know, that, that aroma goes through the house. And a lot of time, my brother and I would look at it, man, that sure smells good. I wonder what they're having uh, for supper tonight. And, but anyway, Esau comes in, he's starving to death. And Jacob's over there stirring that big pot of chili. And what's Esau say? I'm starving. What's he wanting? Yeah, give me a bowl of that. <laughs> and he, now, again, we're not sure exactly how old these fellows were. They were old enough. They were young men, not yet married. And all of a sudden, Jacob's mind goes to Ching. My brother's hungry. He didn't have anything to eat. I've got a big bowl of chili over here. So what's he say to Esau? Yeah, I'll tell you what I'll do. You want a bowl of this chili? Give me your birthright. Sell me your birthright. So Esau thought, man, you know what? I'm going to starve to death. And if I die of hunger, what good is that birthright going to be to me? So what's he do? He trades his birthright. 
for a bowl of pottage. Now, the writer of Hebrews reflects back on that moment, and even when, in a few moments, talk about how he was deceived again by Jacob. You see, the, the problem was Esau had very little respect for God's plan. And he gave up his birthright. And the writer of Hebrews says that even though he wept bitterly, it was too late. It was too late. So he sold his birthright. Now, by the way, the birthright was a special inheritance that was reserved for the oldest son in the family. And that's what he sold. And so Esau, uh, which was like, I mean, that's, his, that's what he was bent toward. He gave up something very important just to satisfy his physical appetite, and it cost him dearly. So they grew up, and uh, again, Rebecca favored Isaac, and I'm sorry, Jacob, and Isaac favored Esau. And then toward the end of life, Isaac became blind. And he realized, I don't have much time left. So he calls Esau, and what's he ask Esau to do? Give me some venison. And remember early on we read that Isaac loved that venison. So go out and, you know, give me some venison, cook it. And when you come back, I will bless you. Now the problem was somebody overheard that conversation. Who was it? Rebecca. So what'd she do? She had a plan. She calls Jacob, says what? Jacob, I'm going to cook your dad up a meal. And I'm going to make it taste just like venison. And Jacob's in a wait a minute, Mom. You know, uh, one thing I know for sure the Bible says is this. Esau was a hairy man. Years ago, when my brother and uh, my brother-in-law and my sister were in Bible college, and uh, he said, we were, we, there were about four of us in, in a circle one day, or at a table, and we were debating or looking at different sides of a, a point of view. And he said, the president of the college was at the next table, and he walks over. He said, folks, do you realize what the Bible says? And they're expecting a big answer on that debate they're having. And they said, no, what? He said, Esau was a hairy man. And that's what concerned Jacob. He said, now, wait a minute, Mom. Now, I know you can cook, and I know you can make a shoe taste like venison. To me, there's no difference anyway, but anyway. Uh, I know you can do that, but Dad is, is going to touch me. And when he realizes that I'm not the hairy man, he'll know I'm deceiving him. Now, what are some things you see so far in that story? What are, what are some things that kind of catch, catch your attention? Oh, they were conniving, right? Now remember what God had already promised Rebecca. The older one is going to serve the younger one. So my question would be, 
And I know what Rebecca did. Did God need Rebecca's help to make that come about? No. And another thing that gets me about Jacob, and again, he's a heel grabber. He's the conniver. He's not so much worried about lying to his dad. He's worried about what? Say it again, Dan. Getting caught. Now, come on, Mom. He, you know, he knows that Esau's a hairy man, and when he touches me and blah, blah, blah. And so Rebecca says, don't worry about that. Not only will I make that food taste like venison, I'll also give you some of his clothes to wear, and I'll take some kind of fur and put it on the back of your neck, whatever, and whatever. So you will smell like Esau, and you will feel like Esau. So they got a plan, and the plan unfolds. And Re- Rebecca gets everything ready. Jacob is ready to go. He goes to see his father. And uh, Isaac is surprised you got back so quick. And Isaac, not be able to see. And Jacob said, well, I've had a good day. <laughs> What's he lying? Is he lying again? Yeah. So what was Isaac's first reaction? He heard the voice, and what did he say? You sound like Jacob. You sound just like Jacob. So he has him come a little closer, and he goes, But you you smell like Esau. He comes a little closer, and he kind of puts his hand on his neck, and he says, You sound like Jacob, you smell like Esau, and you feel like Esau. So what does Jacob do? He deceives his father, and he receives that blessing. When Esau comes back with some venison that he had caught, he killed in the wild and cooked, what's his dad say to him? It's already gone. What was Esau's reaction? What did he vow to do? I'm going to kill Esau. When dad is gone, Esau said, Jacob is going to die. Well, mom, Rebecca, overhears this conversation. He overhears what Esau says. And so she says, can't let it happen. And she says to Isaac, send Jacob away. So my question would be, was to think about how Jacob had a conflict with his brother. 
Do you see any foolish, foolishness in both of these characters? Sure. Esau sold that birthright. He shouldn't have. Jacob lied and deceived his father, and he shouldn't have. And by the way, now listen to me, folks. Uh, Wayne, I like what you said earlier. God chose him because he's God. He does what he wants to. But we also need to remember, do you think God condoned what Jacob did? No. doesn't make it right. It does not make it right. And I, and I have no doubt in my mind that Rebecca thought she needed to help God. And so here we find out they make foolish, simple choices. But isn't it true that the choices they made affected the rest of their life? Absolutely. So Jacob had a conflict. Any comment or question about that? Anything, any thought come to your mind if we look at this? The second area, he had conflict with his uncle. Now, most of you know the story. The conniver is about to get connived, okay? So, again, I've got some scriptures, and uh, I'll help us as we go along here. Let's go to chapter 29, and let's read verses 15 through 18. Somebody volunteer. Genesis 29, verses 15 through 18. Skip down to verse uh, 20 of chapter 29, 20 through 28. Okay, got verse 25 and then verse 27. Genesis, I'm sorry, chapter 30. <laughs> Troy Allen. Yes. Okay. 
in verse, I'm sorry, read verse 28 to you. I should have included that. Okay. Now, chapter 30, verse 31 and 32. Okay, now chapter 31, verse 4 and 5. Same chapter, verse, verses 17 and 18, chapter 31. Skip down to verse 23 and 24. Thank you, Alan. Still a lot of reading, but I want to point out a couple things. This is the beginning of the next phase of Jacob's life. Uh, he had left home, arrived in the same land where his uncle Laban lived, and of course he found out uh, about Rachel and all these kind of things. And uh, so he induces himself, and he works for Laban for a month. And Laban says, now wait a minute here, he said, you worked me this month, he says, it's not really right. Uh, I, need to, I need to pay you, I, I need to at least compensate you uh, for what uh, you've done for me. And so uh, Jacob said, you know what? I will work seven years for your daughter, Rachel. And Jacob does. In fact, the Bible says he loved Rachel so much it seemed like a few days. And finally the wedding night comes, and what does Laban do? What's Laban do? Gives him the other daughter. Now remember, they wore veils back then. And Jacob had no idea until he woke up the next morning. What did he find out? Wrong girl. So anyway, you know the story. And uh, Jacob agreed to serve another seven years for Rachel. Fourteen years Altogether. <laughs> we also read that, first of all, how many know that no matter what happened, God is watching? Yeah. And he saw that Jacob loved Rachel and not so much for Leah. So God began to bless Leah with children. And uh, what was Rachel's attitude? She was jealous. So she gives Jacob her handmaid, her, 
and they have children by that. Now, by the way, this is before the time of Moses, and it was, there was nothing wrong with marrying that close in your family. In fact, uh, a lot has to do with uh, the farther man got away from creation, the more corrupt the blood, the, the blood came, whatever, the bloodline, whatever. But it still wasn't, it still was a legal thing to do. So anyway, uh, God blessed Leah with children. Rachel didn't have any. But nonetheless, as it goes on, Laban realized God is blessing me because of Jacob. And so he, he says, you know, Jacob, uh, I, I really want you to stay here a little longer. So Laban says to Jacob, what can I give you? And Jacob says, you don't need to give me anything. Now, both of them understood sheep and goats. And they understood that there were some rarities. The brown ones were rare. The spotted or the speckled were rare. The striped were rare. And Jacob says, all I want are the ones that are born spotted, speckled, or brown. So Laban said, great, great deal. They signed a contract. So what's Laban do? He takes all the speckled, spotted, brown ones out of the herd. Thinking what? Less chance of reproducing those. And he moves them quite a distance away so there can't be any chance of interbreeding. Now, I don't quite understand how this worked, but Jacob uh, took a, a, a poplar tree or a branch and began to strip it in front of the, in front of the uh, sheep and goats at mating time. And all of a sudden, his herd began to grow. And it began to outgrow Laban's. And Laban's sons realized it, and they realized, you know what, this is not good. And so Jacob realizes things are getting worse between him and his father-in-law. And he says to Rachel and Leah, we got to get out of here. Your dad's attitude is changing about me, and it's not good. So anyway, they leave. They're gone three days before Laban finds out about it. And when he finds out about it, he's not happy, so he decides, you know what, I'm going to go after him. And he does. One of the way God stops him, what's God say, basically? You what? Yeah, you better be careful what you say about him. And guess what Laban did? Laban believed it. He believed God. So, there was deception between Jacob and Esau. Was there deception between Jacob and Laban? Yes. So, he had conflict with his brother, with his uncle. The third area, he had a conflict with God. Genesis 32, verses 24 through 28. Anybody want to read that? And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. 
And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. But for as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, thou hast prevailed. Heading back home, Jacob's worried of what kind of reception he would get with Esau. He got word that Esau was coming to meet him. And all Jacob could think about was how he had deceived his brother and how his brother hated him. And he was worried. And if you study the scriptures, you read them, you find out uh, that Jacob put Leah and her family first, and then Rachel, again showing the preference there, afraid that what Esau was going to do. But as they go across the river Jabbok, Jacob stays behind. That night, an angel of the Lord appears, and Jacob begins to wrestle with him. Now, my friend Jacob was about ready to enter a new phase of his life. And one thing he, he needed to know was that God was in control. And the Bible says that Jacob encountered the Lord that night, and he wrestled with him. But, you know, the first time that Jacob encountered God uh, in that way was in chapter 28 when he left home. And he had that dream of a ladder going to heaven. And God promised Jacob then, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply your seed. And now, many years later, going back home, he stops and he prays for God's blessing. He prays for God's protection. And all of a sudden, a strange man shows up. And most scholars believe it was an appearance of God in physical form. And the Bible says that these two men wrestled throughout the night. And the angel of the Lord, God himself, said, let me go. And Jacob said, no, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And the angel touched the thigh of Jacob. And finally, when God realized Jacob was going to give up, he blessed him. And that name, Israel, he would no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. It would be the name that would identify God's covenant people. These are my people. So he wrestled with God. And he wrestled until he came away with a blessing. Now, by the way, how many know that God could have well killed Jacob that night? And when Jacob walked away, actually when he limped away, his thighs hurting now. When he limped away, he realized that he had seen God that night. It wasn't just an angel. It was God in the appearance of an angel. And Jacob realized he could have been killed. But God spared his life. And he called the name of the place Peniel. Now hold on. 
In chapter 28, when Jacob first left home, he found himself in God's favor. Here in our text we just read a moment ago, he wrestled with God, and again he finds himself in God's favor. So my question would be is this, what did Jacob do to earn that? Say it again, Dan. So if he did nothing to earn it, how did he get it? By grace. Because God gave it to him. So God is about to send Jacob back to Bethel. It means the house of God. Where God first appeared to him when he left and fled from Esau. So they purify themselves. And they head back. And God reaffirms his blessing. How much time I got left, Jason? Okay, real quick. Yes, and now we're talking about our lesson this morning before Sunday school started. He teaches the same class to the teens. And uh, both of us agreed, kind of a tough lesson. We weren't sure, you know, what they're getting at when they talk about the conflicts. But I think as I, as I thought about what Jesse had said and what we talked about, I think the important thing is that we, we learn some life lessons from this. Lessons that we can take home with us and apply to our lives knowing that our God is in control. Now, number one, the first thing we learn as far as families are concerned, let's avoid favoritism. It's not good. Make sure we keep a loving relationship with our entire family. Second of all, let's make sure we deal with others with integrity. Amen? With kindness and not with deception. Now, by the way, we're not finished with with the story of Jacob yet. <laughs> he got a he got a, a long road to hoe ahead of him because of the lifestyle that he lived. The third lesson we need to apply is to repent of our past sins and to continue to follow and serve God. And repent means to change, to turn to right. But I think the fourth thing that we learn of a life lesson, this is to me the most important. We have to trust God to fulfill His purposes. Rebecca couldn't do that. Jacob didn't do that. And it caused them heartache for the rest of their life. We have to trust God to fulfill His purpose. Let's all stand together. Next week, chapter 37, chapter 39, we're going to see how some more things happen that God blesses through the life of Joseph. Father, we love you today. We love you so much, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.